Hello and welcome to the Crypto Cafe. I'm your host, Randy Zuckerberg. And here in this virtual audio metaverse cafe, we embrace newcomers and experts alike to crypto, NFTs, and all things Web3. Today, we are talking all about soul-bound tokens. It's a conversation that has captured the attention of so many in Web3. And I'm delighted to be joined today by an expert in the space. We have Pooja Olhaver here with me. Pooja is a lawyer, social technologist, entrepreneur and author of the paper, Decentralized Society, Finding Web3's Soul. Pooja, it's wonderful to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me, Randy. Now, because I wish we were in a real cafe together, but because this is an audio metaverse cafe, set the scene for me. What would you be drinking if we were together? <laughs> oh, um, hmm. well, what kind of is it a coffee shop or is it a French Parisian cafe? Yeah, let's go with French Parisian. That's where I want to be right now. Okay. Okay. Then maybe um, a, a small glass of Bordeaux or something. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. I can already tell we're going to be great friends here. Um, tell us, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background and especially your aha moment about crypto and Web3. Oh, okay. Well, my background, so I, I actually, my first career was in uh, public policy uh, and thinking about questions around how to uh, provide public goods. And then I went to law school and uh, studied during the financial crisis. And I really started thinking deeply about financial markets um, and you know what were the sort of root causes of the financial crisis and the quote unquote, too big to fail institutions. Uh, and then after that, uh, I actually worked on Wall Street for a little while and then pivoted to a career in entrepreneurship. And around that time, uh, Bitcoin uh, emerged, and uh, early on, uh, before Ethereum even launched, I was thinking about what are the sort of social use cases for blockchain technology. Um, and my early conversations around Ethereum uh, were around how could we use this technology to enable social coordination. And as I was thinking through the problems of, as social media became somewhat more problematic, I also started thinking about the relationship between blockchains and data and then artificial intelligence. And so it's sort of a natural progression. And I, I, don't, I don't think there was ever an aha moment as slowly unpeeling the possible use cases for this technology and reimagining uh, how we engage with technology and also reimagining the intersection of markets and politics uh, when it comes to technology. Love it. So what was it that has really piqued your interest in soul-bound tokens? And, and what are souls when it comes to cryptocurrency? Well, so much of crypto uh, so far has been a history of transferable tokens uh, or NFTs that trade hands and really become the object of speculation, right? And soul-bound tokens are just non-transferable tokens at the very minimum. You can add on some other characteristics. But adding that property of non-transferability to a token uh, really opens up a vast possibility space in blockchain technology that didn't exist before. And mainly what that does and why it's so, so exciting is it enables us to start thinking about technology in a way that is truly owned and governed by their users in a decentralized and pluralistic way. Because with transferable tokens, it was always just a game of speculation and a race to buy as many tokens of whatever protocol or network as possible. But this would just lead to plutocratic concentration, uh, owning the network, monopoly. And you know, we know from the history of traditional markets that 
um, you know, the interests of plutocrats and monopolists don't necessarily align with the interests of users. So the, the idea of introducing non-transferability uh, as an element was really a way to try to rectify uh, our relationship uh, with technology and, and open up more possibility spaces with blockchain. I'd love, can you provide a few examples of how either soulbound tokens can be used or how, how you're hoping they could be used in the future? Uh, sure. So, I mean, if you, you, you can ask yourself first, like, what, what would you want to be a non-transferable token? Um, so anything that you, Randy, have earned yourself, like a credential, would be a non-transferable token, right? Um, or say a group that you're part of, that's not something that you would want to transfer to somebody else. It defeats the whole purpose of being in that social group, right? Or like your vaccine um, card or something. Sorry? Or like your vaccine card or something like that? Um, well, the health, the health cases, health records and um, like government IDs, I think that that's actually more sensitive information. And I think we can accomplish a lot more with like just basic memberships to social groups starting there um, that are like less uh, risky and less like susceptible totally. to um, uh, I would dystopia or just hacking <laughs> or like, so we want to start off with like use cases that are like relatively non-controversial. Like, yes, so it. you have a LinkedIn page, right? And on your LinkedIn page, you have your, uh, affiliations and your credentials and your memberships to like social groups. And that's information you're okay with making public. Right. Um, so you'd want to start with like that kind of information that is like already out there in the, in the public sphere. Um, but really what all that information is, is just like signals as memberships to your different social groups. Um, and so what non-transferable tokens do is they let us represent your memberships to those different social groups. And so like immediately, like you're, so you're back to your question, what are the use cases there? Um, as a member of a social group holding this non-transferable token could give you access rights to participate in that group's communication channel, to help program that communication channel that is in a way consistent with that group's values, right? Rather than relying on all of these, like today in web two, we have all these decisions made for us about how our data is used um, and our interaction with the platform, right? A, a soulbound token as a representation of your membership to a social group and, and an access right to that can start to unlock possibilities where you uh, and uh, other people as a social group can start to form your own technology and like determine what are the standards and what are the what are the rules, what are the privacy rights and and how is how will your data be used? Mm -hmm. So that's like a very fundamental uh, use case. Um, and when you kind of build on that, um, there's like a secondary effect because when you start to be members of like many social groups, then you can actually start to build networks that avoid certain kinds of tyrannies that we see in politics, like a tyranny of the majority or a tyranny of elite. And you can really start to build bottom-up networks where you uh, reward cooperation across uh, different groups and elevate consensus across different groups. So you avoid these tyrannies and we can actually enter into a networked age where no particular social group or plutocrat or you know Elon Musk doesn't dominate the network, but really, um, the users do, and, and they do so in a pluralistic and decentralized way where it doesn't end up being captured. It's, it's very interesting. It makes me think also a lot about um, 
I, I do. My, one of my passions is Broadway and, and show business. And I think a lot about um, some of the things going on in ticketing right now where you have um, people buying up all the tickets to a show and then like reselling them on a second market. Like, do you think soulbound tokens could ever be used for to prevent that, to prevent ticketing and, and reselling? Or is that am I like way overthinking it? Oh, no. I mean, it could, soulbound tokens could be used like to rethink Twitter, Facebook, every technology platform and like markets and like ticket markets as well. So if you, right, it's, it's if you wanted to avoid, um, so in the case of ticketing, I imagine the problem there is lack of like civil resistance, right? Yes. Um, so somebody pretends to be like 10 different people from 10 different accounts trying to buy tickets. Well, what you could do is say, well, we're only going to sell tickets to accounts that have enough sort of credentials or social affiliations where it's unlikely to be a bot, right? That's like gaming the ticketing algorithm. And so you can, and, and we know some of these social groups are more legit than other groups. And so you can start to like look at different accounts as and, and differentiate between like who are actually real people, who are bots, and not just that, but also um, say like you and your group of friends want to like buy all the tickets together and coordinate like it could also prevent like collusion in that way amongst larger social groups um, that might all be affiliated in a certain way that are just kind of gaming the system and as we build like broad-based networks and technology we have to really think about preventing like larger groups from just like swamping and like loosely coordinate co coordinating to like take over a system and so absolutely tickets are a use case Totally. I, you know, I, I appreciated also that um, that you were like, let's not go into health and government IDs just yet, because, you know, I, I love Web3 and I'm passionate about it also, but it can be a real sketchy neighborhood out there at times. It's, it's very easy to get hacked and have your wallet stolen and everything. Um, what I mean, what are some of the things that could go wrong uh, with soulbound tokens that we need to get ahead of as we're thinking about this and building? Well, we still need, so part of understanding soul bound tokens um, is also understanding this concept called community recovery. And the idea behind community recovery is that you can't credibly sell your wallet holding your non-transferable tokens because you could always recover it back through consensus amongst the social groups which you're a member of. So um, so like the mechanism is something like you have a bunch of, you know, you have some soulbound tokens that represent your memberships to different groups, and you'd want to draw on a random uncorrelated subset of those, you know, groups or guardians within those groups to get approval, and then you can always recover your wallet, right? So you need, you, you really need to have this mechanism in place um, so people can't uh, sell their uh, non-transferable tokens and sell their accounts, Right. Um, and so to under, so to, 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 to go headfirst into soulbound tokens um, without community recovery mechanism, I think is, um, uh, I, I would just, as you said, when it comes to sensitive information, when it comes to things that are really important, maybe like we're still very early in the technology cycle here. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, uh, jump into it with, uh, uh, very sensitive information, but would, you know, wait for these mechanisms to be developed over time. So um, these problems like hacks are, can be dealt with, right? So if you don't, if you lose your soul, you can like actually recover it, right? Um, so yeah, so I think that's uh, an important feature to have. Um, 
Other ways this could go wrong. Um, well, I the first use cases that I think for soulbound tokens, again, is for information that is like public anyway. So scientific communities and open, and open source communities, these are very public communities and this could really disrupt science and the monopoly on knowledge networks by journals. And, and I think these are really great places to start. Um, and, but, but situations where you would wanna have more privacy and in particular programmable privacy with your social group, uh, those are situations that we probably wanna like, you know, push out and like, and, 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 and experiment with later um, and really work out the kinks on the on, on use cases where publicity is um, is uh, a feature, not a bug, right? Yes, I, I love the line. If you lose your soul, you can recover it. I feel like that needs to be the title of this this podcast episode. Thanks so much for joining us in Crypto Cafe with Randy Zuckerberg. I'm here chatting with Pooja Olhaver, lawyer, social technologist, entrepreneur, and author. And Pooja, I want to spend some time now getting into your paper, Decentralized Society, Finding Web3 Soul. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about your vision and what message you're hoping to get across to readers in this paper. Well, I think the lar- that, that's a big question because there's a lot of problems that we we addressed and talked about. But I think the 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 big vision is to help us reimagine our relationship to technology, right? And and see technology as something that we co-create in social groups rather than something that is kind of just dropped into our lives that we don't really have much agency over. Um, with kind of current technology platforms where, you know, instead of having decisions made by Elon Musk or uh, a set of shareholders who might not have interests aligned with you, right, actually having more democratic, bottom-up, consensual approaches towards building technology where people aren't trapped into bad decisions uh, of the past, right, but can actually build better futures um, and understanding the relationship between uh, technology and politics and seeing technology as actually an inherently political, um, uh, as inherently political and something that we need to think about, uh, not passively, but actively and, and co-create. Mm. What, um, how, how long have you been thinking about and working on this paper? Uh, so I, we, we started writing it, I believe, middle of February, and then we uh, this year, and then I think by um, end of March we had a solid first draft, and wow. then within a, yeah, and then within a month we just uh, we, we you know there was a bunch of conferences. I had to go to ETH Amsterdam. I, I had to go to an offsite, so it was a. Lot. It was a lot of distraction, but I think we released it in early May. So we started middle of February, released it early May, and uh, which I would say is relatively quickly. Um, it was just a lot of uh, in the process of writing it was once 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 we realized that hey, we can represent memberships to social groups with non-transferable tokens. Starting with that premise just unlocked a lot of uh, insights about how to rethink. Um, civil resistance, decentralization in, in DAOs and problems specific to crypto, but also problems that are outside of crypto um, or will eventually intersect with crypto, like prediction markets and artificial intelligence, and even thinking about rethinking some of the assumptions around 
the provision of public goods, and those are economic problems. So this was a multidisciplinary, multi-collaborative like, effort between Glenn, myself, and Vitalik. So we all sort of brought unique insights to the table. And there was just, it was so just introducing this small primitive of non-transferability uh, just generated so much uh, possibility space that, um, yeah, it, it, the paper sort of wrote itself, honestly. It's really exciting. And I mean, that is really fast timing for a paper of this magnitude. I guess everything moves faster in Web3, even the writing. Uh, Pooja, it's been so wonderful to connect with you. I'm just curious in our final minutes together, um, what what are you most excited about right now? What do you think your next paper will be on? Like, what what is uh, what do the next few years look like for you? Oh gosh, there's so much. There, there's just so much to keep writing about. You know, I have like a part two and a part three already outlined in my head. Um, but at the same time, um, and 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 part two, I think would go more into uh, a little bit deeper on information game theory questions. Um, and but but zooming out, I'm just really excited that there is this new primitive that we can start to use and start to rethink uh, how we design technological networks and uh, communicating that to broader audiences. Uh, I've been working very closely with the DSI community to help them, as I said, because it's a public uh, uh, network, uh, you know, science is, is very public, helping rethink how we make and allocate decisions and scientific funding and also form groups for collaboration and frankly, disrupting the knowledge monopoly that um, journals have and the rent extraction uh, that they do both on academics and universities, just disrupting science to unleash much more science and turn science from closed science to open science. I think that would be a massive uh, boon uh, to humanity. And so that's like the first place that I'm, I'm really focusing on, but I also expect social media to be disrupted by this and even and how we, structure financial markets as well. So there's the the work is is doesn't stop and it's it's very rich. Mm. It's wonderful. Where can our listeners go to keep up with you to read everything that you're writing and thinking about? Oh well I think Twitter right now is the best place so far at Pooja Olhaver. And I have some tweet threads there. I will be releasing some more writings, more papers, um, and and stuff that if you can't get through the 40 pages, just sort of in, in the next few months, I'll be releasing small sort of like windows and glimpses and tidbits. Um, and yeah, so just stay tuned there. And uh, yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you. I mean, I, I wish I could spend even a day inside that incredible brain of yours. Thank you for, for sharing uh, your time with us today and really excited that you're on the forefront of, of this technology. Uh, Pooja, thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Thank you so much, Randy. You too. Thanks so much for joining for this episode of Crypto Cafe with Randy Zuckerberg. That was Pooja Olhaver, lawyer, social technologist, entrepreneur, and author of the paper Decentralized Society, Finding web Three Soul. Uh, she really is at the forefront of so many exciting things around these soul-bound tokens that cannot be transferred and resold, and that will really lead to a lot of cutting-edge innovation across crypto and Web3. Thanks so much for joining us. I'll be back next week with an all new episode of Crypto Cafe with Randy Zuckerberg.